everyone, and welcome to Sugar Daddies, a podcast where two grown men rate and review seasonally available mass-produced foodstuffs. As always, to my right is Alex. And as always, to my left is Chris. Now, Alex, typically for our episodes, I'm the one who picks the food uh, because I have a passion for garbage foods. And you spend a lot of time at Menards. They have a weirdly well-stocked candy aisle. I can't explain it. Maybe contractors like candy. Of course they do. Everyone likes candy. But today, you've picked our foods. Or more so, you had a candy sommelier of sorts pick our foods. That's right. So the initial idea for this episode was Alex picks some stuff. Um, there was a new candy store just down the road from us called Lolly and Pops. And they gave me a two-hour tour of their candies. And that's what we have for you. So I'm looking at the pile of candies that we have now, and I would say it is going to be a two-parter episode. So the man who brought me into his store was none other than Lolly and Pops' very own Chris Cruz. Ah, two Chris's. This won't at all become confusing, but sure. Well, we can call him Christopher, or Mr. Cruz. I once had a boss insisting on calling me Topher, and I feel any of the other Chris's that are listening will understand what a slap in the face that is. That is rough. Yeah. Mr. Cruz is the procurer for the Ridgedale Mall location of Lolly and Pops. That means he gets the enviable job of picking and choosing exactly which products end up in the Ridgedale Mall store. And you did bring along a recorder. That I did. So we do have some audio of him talking about these foods. And we even have a little snippet of him talking about his background. Well, I started in July of last year, so um, this July is going to be a year. Um, Previous to this, I do have a lot of experience with uh, specialty retail, particularly imported European products. So like I'm on Serrano's, I'm on Iberico, uh, different types of specialty cheeses, uh, wines. I definitely like old world wine, especially when it's compared to American wines. I don't want to sound like a snob or anything, but my gosh, French wine is some of the best out there. Um, I do also have some retail store experience with a more large-scale company. Clearly a very qualified man. So Chris seems like a guy that knows his stuff, and he has a wonderful first name, I have to say, completely unbiased. What is the shop actually like? Because I wasn't there with you when you got to visit it. That's right. I actually got up early to do this, uh, which was a great decision. It is a beautifully appointed shop. It is packed front to back, top to bottom with an assortment of high-end chocolates and handmade truffles to your common everyday American garbage candy. Yeah, nothing wrong with garbage candy. So the one you went to was in Ridgedale Center, right? Yes, it's in Ridgedale Mall. It opened six or so months ago. Is that the only one or are there more? There are less than 50 in the nation. Oh, okay. If I was a listener, uh, say in Texas, like Heidi. Is there an easy way to find one of these stores? They have a great website. Not only can you find the stores, but you can also buy the Lolly and Pops branded chocolates. Well, without any further ado, let's try the first offering they have. The first thing we have is a French style macaron, which is different than a macaroon. It's actually manufactured by Sweet Lobby. It's a caramelized pear and goat cheese macaron. For those of you who are not familiar with what these look like, they are almost like cookie sandwiches. It almost resembles like a whoopie pie. So this one I've already eaten because the timing of when you got it and the timing of when we're going to record this episode would almost guarantee that it would be stale. That's right. My reaction to this one 
was of just general delight. The goat cheese wasn't sour like an American goat cheese. It's French goat cheese, so they are grass-fed goats. And the caramelized pear was just a nice sweetness. Yeah, I'm typically not a big fan of goat cheese. The only cheeses I will eat are cow and rabbit, so do with that what you will. It honestly really didn't taste that much like goat cheese. It was almost more of like a cream cheesy kind of flavor to it. It was a very light flavor. It was a real nice mix of savory and sweet. I would say this is going to be the most gentle flavor we have tonight. That's moderately upsetting, but okay. Oh yeah, and the next thing we have apple gummies from Kasugai, which as you might imagine, is a Japanese brand. So what kind of apples are these based on? Uh, The juicy kind of apple. Oh, okay. There's actual apple juice in these. So just looking at this packaging, it does strike me as something that would be from Japan. Not only because it's covered in Japanese characters, but it is just a solid wraparound photo of glorious, glorious red apples. It does have a distinctly Asian feel to it. Well, toss me one of those and uh, and let's give it a try. Ooh, that really does smell like apple juice. Despite being a sugary gummy candy, I don't feel like they taste too sugary. Wow, that is dead on apple. As I said when I first tried these, I don't know what the actual varietal is. I want to say it's a red delicious. Based on the red apples on the packaging, probably. It does taste like a red delicious. It has the milder flavor. It is still sweet like an apple. And what might be throwing me off, though, is the mouthfeel, because red delicious are sort of like a mealy apple. And this being a gummy candy is very soft. So I wonder if that sort of mouthfeel is tricking my brain into being like, oh, it tastes more like this one. That's an interesting hypothesis. Either way, those are really good. I really feel that we are years behind the gummy candy game. I would say I am on a constant quest for finding the perfect gummy candy. I think this is as close as I've ever come. They're a little softer than I typically like for gummy candy. But honestly, with that flavor, I will absolutely give up a little bit of mouthfeel. Yeah, I agree. I think these are some of the best gummy candies I've had. All right. As much as I want to stay and linger on these gummy candies, we have way too much stuff to get through tonight. Now, the first two things we've had were not actually produced by Lolly and Pops. The next thing, though, is one of their own. It is the classic gourmet peanut butter cup. This thing is a good three inches in diameter. Not so big that it's novelty sized, but still pretty big. It's like palm-sized. Now, despite its name, the classic, the inside actually houses M&Ms. They are similar to, but legally distinct from M&Ms. I believe so, yes. As we all know, Mars is very litigious. This is not something you would just pop in your mouth. This is something you gotta cut with a knife. That honestly seems like a challenge. Okay. Well, I mean, you work your way up to it. I'm I'm saying it's not impossible. Well, that upsetting image aside... I think it's time to cut a slice of this and give it a try. All right, that is probably the best peanut butter cup I've had. I thought it was pretty good as well. The only thing that I would change about it is I would have used a darker chocolate, but that is a personal preference. Yeah, I could definitely see a darker chocolate being really good with this. But if you're going for mass appeal, milk chocolate brings all the boys to the yard that is true now what was your take on the uh candy bits 
I don't feel like they added too much to it. They added a nice crunch, but in terms of like an extra bit of flavor. Yeah, I would tend to agree. Uh, I I liked the added crunch. It made it feel more like crunchy peanut butter. But had they not been there, I don't know that I would have missed them. Yeah, they certainly did not detract. I almost wonder, and this is a little bit of a crazy theory, because the ratio of chocolate to peanut butter is so crucial inside of a peanut butter cup, I'm wondering if they weren't able to get that right ratio without having extra chocolate inside the peanut butter. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I never really thought about this, but peanut butter cups are really a treat that does not scale well. Really does suffer the hands of the cube root law. It's true. You have to keep making the shell thicker and thicker in order to scale it appropriately. I also would imagine you need to make that shell thicker just to hold the sheer force of the peanut butter trying to escape. It is a semi-viscous liquid. I did not know that. One of the major differences I want to point out between this and the standard Reese's peanut butter cup is the peanut butter inside of this is very good. It's very gooey as well. So when you cut me a slice of it, that peanut butter was already beginning to ooze out. With a Reese's peanut butter cup, you bite into it and it stays put. Yeah, that's true. This definitely is peanut butter. There's no questions about it. It smells like fresh peanut butter. It tastes like fresh peanut butter. I can see where a nostalgia factor could actually hinder this product. Because people remember the garbage food of their youth? That is correct. Much like some people feel that McDonald's hamburgers are truly the tops, they are incorrect. Everybody knows it's Wendy's. This would honestly be good to share as a dessert. If you're having friends over for dinner, everyone gets a half or a quarter. I don't think you could eat a full one without throwing up. They are very rich. Yes, they are quite rich. Hmm. Yeah, no, this this is definitely a really good one. It's interesting how just like a couple subtle changes really make you think about the work that needs to go into this. Getting the ratios right and getting the textures right and using good ingredients instead of weird powder peanut butter or whatever Reese's throws in. I think we can write them off as a sponsor now. (laughs) The next product we have is also made by Lolly and Pops, and it is not so average. I've been looking at these. And I am actually pretty excited about them. I hold no apprehension in my heart. For our next treat tonight, we have Lolly and Pop's very own Chocolate Potato Chips Number 2 Barbecue. What does the number two represent? They have another flavor. Oh. I believe the other flavor is just salted chocolate. Yeah, I was a little wondering if it was like a Heinz 57 situation, where they just put a higher number on the label, making it seem like there's more varieties. Although you'd probably want to pick a higher number than two. But then again, two is so low. Who would possibly lie about that? During my tasting, Chris Cruz summed up the flavor of this very nicely. Let's hear what he has to say. It is without fail that at first sight, when people see that it's those flavors that are mixed together, they're kind of, I mean, not to put it kindly, grossed out. Because you wouldn't expect to mix those flavors together. No, not at all. (laughs) So what you have is a smoky and sweet flavor, which is actually very common in barbecue. It's just not, it's not given a lot of thought when you're you know taking a nice bite out of a rib or something. Yeah. Um, but it, that smoky sweet and then the chocolate and the texture from the potato chip really do a good job of meshing together. So that's right. This is a really interesting flavor combination here. Now over the last holiday season, Ritz did come out with the chocolate dipped Ritz, and I think it was Lay's had chocolate-dipped potato chips. 
Well, those were just regular potato chips. They didn't go barbecue. Truly a bold step. Do you want to give it a shot? Yeah, let's crack the container open. Those reminded me a lot of a Mexican hot chocolate. Yeah, they were uh, a little bit spicier than I remember in a great way. Yeah, you can definitely taste the cayenne from the barbecue rub in there. One thing I was not expecting, these are ruffled. That is true. They are ruffled. I was expecting a smooth potato chip. It feels like a physics thing. I feel like the ruffles hold the chocolate a lot better than a smooth potato chip would. That's what I was thinking, too. It gives more of a surface area for the chocolate to hold on to. Much like the ribbed penne pasta helps hold on to the sauce. Although I will say, I think milk chocolate on these was the right call. Yeah, it did. As Chris mentioned, it does create a nice balance between the sweet and the savory. I think another real nice thing that the milk chocolate does is it deadens some of the spiciness from the chip itself. Well, that's where I would sadly agree with you. I actually would prefer if it was spicier. Again, looking at these in terms of being made for binging and like eating a bunch of them at once, if you didn't have that deadening heat, I feel like that would really build up on your tongue. But because it sort of counteracts with that, you get a little bit of the lingering heat, but it dissipates pretty quickly. It definitely makes it more palatable to a wider audience. That's going to bring an end to part one of our Lolly and Pops episodes. I think in this episode, we're going to forego the recommendations just because all of this was honestly really good and you should just check out what they have. Yeah, Chris Cruz put together truly an impressive shop. If you want to check out their website, find your closest location, you can go to lollyandpops.com. That's lolly spelled L-O-L-L-I. And if they wanted to contact us, Alex, where would they do that? You can find us on Facebook by searching for Sugar Daddy's Podcast on Twitter. You can find us at Sugar Daddy's Pod. And on Instagram, we are Sugar Daddy's Podcast. If you want to send us an email, you can send it to comments at sugardaddiespodcast.com. Thank you for joining us on our first two-part episode. Next week, we saved all the weird stuff, even weirder than barbecue potato chips. Some of it weirder than barbecue potato chips. <laughs>